Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred? Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle, it's a base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Freaking ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Strap in for a four-hour, minus two and a half to three hours, epic episode of the Middle Seats podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Four hours of anybody is a lot, but especially us three stooges. Welcome to the show. I'm Andrew Jay. Come to you from the end of the seats in the Hall of Justice. Let me introduce you to the rest of the crew here today as we obviously are going to be talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League in a bit. There's no dark side to him, Mr. Nate Longarini. <laughs> Ooh, I like that one. Short and sweet. I like that a lot. But yeah, if you ever want four hours of the middle seats nonstop, you can just stop by my apartment while I'm editing each episode and you will hear the same line over and over and over again. Sounds like an edge of tomorrow kind of thing. I was going to say The Shining. Nate's just all work and no play. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's better. There's your compliment as I dive into this here. The only thing he has in common with Aquaman is that he sleeps surrounded by his own pee, Mr. Jay Kensler. <laughs> uh, and, and beards. We, we both grow facial hair. Are you a big swimmer, Jake? Uh, I can swim. Well, that's good. That's, that's a start, <laughs> I guess. The Middle Seats is your best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. If you are joining us for the first time, our show is divided into three segments. Our first segment, we go back and forth on a topic that one member of the crew pitches with our lobby talk segment, just like you were in the lobby of a movie theater. Then we get into our news segment. Two news items this week, two pretty big ones, though, so we'll get into that. And then we'll get into our feature review each week with a non-spoiler and a spoiler section. This week, it's kind of a redux. We couldn't avoid talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League um, because we talked about Joss Whedon's Justice League. Many eons ago on the show, a lot has changed, gentlemen, since we got to that movie. Um, did you ever think we'd get to this point where we would actually be reviewing this film that I think we thought would be theoretical for years? No, I never thought I would be sitting here. <laughs> I'm, I'm so, but I'm so glad to be. I just want to get this over with. I want to get it off my chest. I want Twitter to stop talking about it. I just want the world to move on. Hey, hey. Nate, how about you? Oh. <laughs> we got we got angry Jake here. We got meh Nate here. I'm <laughs> we so got tired. Curious true. So <laughs> you've got the whole crew today, guys. It is a very time. it's a very curious discussion because once again, it's another one of these pet projects that are more interesting in the discussion than they are in the execution, in my opinion. Which is not mm-hmm. really spoiling what I think about the movie. It's more spoiling what I think about the people who drove. <laughs> the movie to be made mm-hmm. uh, eventually, um, and we'll get to that in excruciating detail coming up in our (laughs) review. But first, on the topic, here is our Lobby Talk segment. Let's all go to the lobby. You're in the lobby? What do you look like? I will blow up the block before you can make the lobby. Alrighty, guys. So, we'll go into Justice League momentarily, so stay on the edge of your seats for that one. But, obviously, it gets you thinking. Zack Snyder saw this movie come out. They have said he hasn't, for the record, which is Yeah, regardless of whether he actually watched Josh Whedon's version or not, doesn't matter. He was able to see all the critiques of the movie that came out in the two and a half years in between this release and that release. 
and essentially got a second shot at making a movie with 2020 hindsight built in, quite literally. So that gets you thinking. If you saw a mediocre movie or even a bad movie and had the opportunity to give a director a second shot at making that movie, what would you pick? So I'll start just because I don't want you guys to steal my ideas here. But I'm going to go with The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh I think this has all the recipes of a mediocre movie that has a good fan base, that's been very vocal about what they didn't like about the, the movie version. And there's a lot of good talent in this movie. There's Martin Freeman. There's Zoe Deschanel. You got Alan Rickman as Marvin the Robot. And I think this movie in particular just lends itself to a more modern audience. Back in the day, I think studio execs wanted this to play out more like a traditional three-act story. So there's like this really stupid love triangle that just takes over the entire movie, even though it's nowhere in the book. Modern audiences just got Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 in the last five years. They're ready for weird space operas. Let's just go to town and give Hitchhikers of the Galaxy a real shot of a real take on its movie. So that's my pick. I remember seeing that as a kid and really not being that enamored with it. It is right on the border critically, 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. You're right, this cast is insane. You mentioned Martin Freeman and Zoe Deschanel and Alan Rickman. But you've also got Sam Rockwell. You've got Bill Nye, not the science guy, the other one. <laughs> uh, you've got Helen Mirren. You've got John Malkovich. Gee, like, gee, this is like British royalty, up and down. I agree. I think it was before its time, and I don't think they knew how to execute it. Now, here's the thing with your prompt. You have to keep Garth Jennings, the director, who who's Correct. really only known for this, and he made Sing, which is the singing animal movie. So it's a matter of whether he had the props for it. And also, what do you do about Alan Rickman? What's your proposal wow. there? I don't know if we have enough extra footage the same way that Warner Brothers claims they had with the Snyder Cut here, where they could have just reshuffled the movie and did some editing tricks. And Alan Rickman's good in what he has, so I don't think you need to add too much to his character. I don't know, maybe if you throw enough money behind it, you can pull the full Star Wars treatment and bring a character back from the dead. Use his lines as Snape. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Who knows? Um, But in terms of the director, like, I haven't seen all of Sing. I've seen most of Sing. And the original story, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, have either of you guys read it? No. No. This is my extent of the knowledge. I know it's it's, beloved, It's a hilarious book, and it doesn't really have a plot. It meanders, kind of in the way that the sketches of Sing played out. So he isn't awful for the material if they really go the full satire route. And... The book lays out a script. The director doesn't need to change too, too, too much. This isn't like a huge magnum opus for the director, I think. It's really just bringing these characters to life. So I think this is a really good contender. Well, uh, I don't know why you were so afraid of us stealing your idea. I would have never thought of this, but definitely an interesting pick and a, a worthy one for the times. Same thing. I saw it when it first came out on DVD as a kid, and I remember it just kind of losing me. Solid pick, Nate. I... You made a great case for it from the little bit that I remember. <laughs> I definitely think we're more ready for it than we were in 2005. And I think that has to 
Can yeah. I go next? Because I think that actually translates well to what I'm trying to do. Let's hear it. The thought process behind this when Nate pitched it for me was I really just went – I went to my list of every movie that I've ever seen, which if, as I'm sure we all do. Yeah, everybody has 500 that. pages long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no big yeah, deal. Cash. Well, so like I, I started in the 6 out of 10 range. You know what I mean? Like obviously anything 6.5 out of 10 or above doesn't really – feel too much like a missed opportunity. It's the stuff below it. And right towards the top for me, in the five and a half to five range, is Green Lantern. And it actually fits well with the DC theme here. Mm. There's too much to the formula of Green Lantern that should have worked. It has such an epic mythology in terms of what Hal Jordan's journey should be, traveling to space and meeting all these lanterns and learning about the lantern's backstory and learning how to protect Earth from a threat. Ryan Reynolds felt like a really good choice at the time for this hotshot pilot who learns that he has to grow into responsibility and stuff. We learned he can do that with Deadpool, obviously. Well, not mm. that, not the exact same flavor, but he can he can pull it off. So in theory, this should have worked. The problem is, I think back in the day, we were still kind of getting into the peak of the swell of superhero movies. So think about like movies like Infinity War and Endgame and stuff like that. These are these dense sci-fi epics that just weren't being made really like back then. Like this was the year of Thor and Captain America and X-Men First Class where we were just starting to experiment with the superhero formula. I don't think Warner Brothers or director Martin Campbell, who has made a lot of great movies, by the way. He made two of the best James Bond movies with Goldeneye and Casino Royale. So clearly he knows what he's doing in terms of a big budget blockbuster. I just don't think – They knew how to make a movie with this kind of scope and scale and this kind of effects budget yet. And what you end up getting is this really like lame, like Spider-Man romance ripoff that ignores all the space stuff. Remake the movie and tweak it. You can keep Martin Campbell because he obviously has a good eye for action. You'll have to figure out what you want to do with the villain and stuff like that because that might still be a problem. But – you can only make it better so much. You know what I mean? Just expand the mythology. Spend more time in space. Polish up the effects a little bit if you oh, can. God I, like, help us, please. <laughs> that mask is atrocious. <laughs> yes. Go back to a practical mask. That's got to be Ryan Reynolds' biggest regret to this day, right? Because he got retcon with the Deadpool stuff. But Green Lantern really had a shot to work and just what fell flat on its face. He, he tweeted about it recently and it, it felt kind of out of character for him. He was, he, he had a reason for watching it. I don't remember what it was, but he, oh, it, it was, might've it been his connection the, to the Snyder cut. I think he, Oh, maybe he watched it for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and to promote his new beer, liquor, Gen? tequila, I, I think, <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Whatever yeah, liquor. <laughs> and I remember him, he, he tweeted something like, Oh, you know, it, it wasn't all that bad. And it was especially good for all the people who worked really hard. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's, that's nice. <laughs> he met his wife, so that's that. <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. Then, yeah, I, I don't think that's his biggest regret anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Professional regret. It, it could be X-Men Origins. <laughs> but even he got that retcon, so it can't be anymore, mm-hmm. right. right? Like, Well, yeah, so you can argue that he was the first to get a second chance even before Snyder and the Snyderverse came along here. Yeah. yeah. I just think the ingredients are there. Mark Strong was great as Sinestro, who would eventually be set up to be like a big villain he he gives a really stirring performance in a movie that does not care about him there are pieces there that you could you could find a way to make it work and it just didn't in 2011 it could maybe in 2021 yeah 10 years later how about that it's already 10 years wow (laughs) yeah i know 
My brain doesn't work like that. I hear 10 years and I think like like 2005. <laughs> I don't yeah. think 2011, 10 years. Yeah. All right, Jake, what's your pick? So honestly, when Nate pitched this, the first thing that came to my head was Tenet. But I'm like, we've talked enough about Tenet. I'd like to see Nolan give that another shot, a better, more coherent shot. But the one that I really think kind of fits, like Andrew was saying, the 6 out of 10 kind of mold that I'd like to see him get more creative uh, freedom is M. Night Shyamalan's with Glass. Because I liked uh, Unbreakable, I liked Split, and I really wanted to like Glass. But it it kind of felt like maybe the studio forced him to keep most of the plot at the hospital. And then he just bum-rushed the ending with all kinds of different endings. I only watched it once, and I was pretty disappointed and underwhelmed. But I still think there's a really cool story there. Um, he's got this unique take on superheroes and whether they do or don't exist. And I would love, I would really like to see him give you know get more money and actually flesh that out and get more creative control and freedom and put together this you know kind of all of a sudden superhero tale where there's unique villains with James McAvoy and unique heroes with Bruce Willis and the mastermind of Samuel L. Jackson and you know have them all work but in different ways not just being confined to a hospital where we hardly see them get to do anything um and then have a more concrete ending as well I just I feel like there's a really good story there and he was on the upswing with the visit was okay, and split was actually good. And I was really hoped this would be this would be his moment, you know, coming back to the unbreakable world. And it didn't quite cut it, but I think that would be really interesting, getting his, you know, his freedom and you know total control over that over that story, the way his mind probably wants to tell it. Well, that that has a lot of wasted potential. Yeah, I interpret what happened there different. I actually think he had almost too much control. Because I, I, I can totally That's see what him. I was gonna oh, say, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he I think they didn't touch his script at all, and that was a bad thing. He can go back and tweak it, and I think this is a good candidate for it. But I think the problem here is that they just kind of let him do what he wants, and he tried to write like a overly scripted Tarantino superhero movie as opposed to actually building to an interesting, action-oriented superhero mm, movie like he should have. Yeah. I kind of thought it was maybe studio, like, for, like, be like, hey, we're going to save a little bit of money and, like, you know, confine this to, like, one or, you know, only a few sets. Maybe you're right. I don't think money was the issue. I, I think Split got a pretty good budget, didn't it? It didn't really need well, it. Well, no, I, gla- I got it up here. Glass, Glass's budget was only 20 mil. So if you can up that even to 50 mil, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. That's a twenty million dollar budget. How much of that goes to Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, and James McAvoy? So yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to what you were just saying there, Drew, about I think Shyamalan's the problem. I'd be curious to see if he was offered a second chance, how much advantage he would be able to take from it, because he doesn't strike me as the type of person who takes criticism too too well. And that could just be me making assumptions. But... No, there's a whole there's a whole book book written about that. Actually. Exactly right. So there you go. Um, and this would be the first example um, out of the three of us here that the director is the source material. Mm-hmm. Unbreakable and Split is his stuff. Yeah. He doesn't have a Green Lantern comic book to go back to. He doesn't have a best selling book to write a script off of, like Hitchhikers is. Whatever he comes up with, that's canon. So for him to say, oh, my audience really didn't like this. How do I change it but keep my vision intact? That's that's a little trickier to navigate. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. I just I feel like you can kind of see where the the problems lie. Like you have three really great characters 
and one of them dies in a puddle. <laughs> and yeah, and the story just kind of doesn't go anywhere. I and I think Unbreakable is such a unique take. I think Split ends up being more unique than I thought it would be. And I was just really hoping for Glass to hammer it home, and it didn't. So I always kind of thought like if he could kind of go back to the drawing board and be like, all right, I got a sixty out of a hundred, and I'm getting you know a a, tans- a chance to retake the test to get at least an eighty. Like how how can I do this? I think he's. He's often the problem because he goes like really high with like six cents and then really low with, you know, like the happening and whatever. <laughs> I don't remember what that Will Smith movie was, something Earth, but After Earth. That's what it was, <laughs> After Earth. So like I know he is often the problem, but I feel like there's he really was onto something there with his his kind of random superhero trilogy that he decided to come back to ten years later. And I would yeah. have liked to see that make more sense in that, you know, given a second shot, because it was so unique compared to what we usually get. You know, for half a second, I I considered The Last Airbender, but then I thought about his lack of self-reflexivity throughout his career and was like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's the thing. If you have to keep the director Last Airbenders out, you need somebody who's just going to redo that movie better. I think out of his mm-hmm. movies, Glass is probably the best candidate for this because it probably only requires smaller tweaks. You can expand on certain things, but like you, you can't fix the happening. You can't fix Lady. lady <laughs> Some in of the these water. things are just bad concepts. Like, mm, what do you right. do? <laughs> well, like Lady in the Water was the one that book I referenced earlier. There's a great book where he basically, I guess, like they tried to give him studio notes on Lady in the Water, and he like had like a hysterical crying breakdown in front of like oh, executives because they wouldn't yeah. let him do his vision, and then his vision Yikes. was what happened, and maybe he should have taken some notes. And they were kind of like told you so. <laughs> but yeah, this is a good one, Nate. Yeah, cool stuff. I'm glad you enjoyed. <laughs> That'll do it for Lobby Talk. Let's move into our news segment. And this just in, a news break special report. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. So gentlemen, we're all eligible for a vaccine. Isn't that exciting? Indeed. It's pretty cool. We can sign up for appointments at some point. What I'm trying to get to here is that hopefully we're getting to the end of these stories where I have to talk about uh, movies being moved or moved out of theaters. I hope. I feel like the door's kind of been kicked open with this, as we've talked about many times. Um, But Disney announced a lot of changes to release dates and release formats. Um, A couple of them have us fired up as a term that I would use. Uh, The big (laughs) one is... Black Widow has been now moved for the third time. It originally was going to come out in May 2020 for obvious reasons. They moved it to November of 2020. It took eternal spots. Then they moved it again to May of this year. But now they're not even wasting any more time. I think this is going to be the last time that they move it. July 9th, it is now going to come out. And the reason I think it's going to be the last time is because they have finally conceded that they're going to put this on Disney Premier Access as well. So for those of you who don't want to go see Black Widow in theaters, $30 to watch at home. Um, that's a whole topic on its own. They announced they're going to do the same thing with Cruella, which they're not moving the release date for. That comes out in late May. Uh, in my opinion, that's writing on the wall about quality. <laughs> they want to move the good movies, but maybe not move the other ones, but maybe I'm just reading into it too much. Here's the big one that gets me, and I'll rant. We'll, we'll do a general talk, and then I'll rant. Luca, <laughs> which is the new Pixar movie. We talked about the trailer I believe last episode or two episodes ago, pretty recently, we talked about the trailer for Luca. The new Pixar movie, it is going straight to Disney+, Plus, but it is not getting the $30 premium treatment, and there is no option to go see it in theaters. So you can get it for free if you have Disney+. Plus. It is the exact same treatment they gave Soul. 
not a treatment they gave to Mulan or Rai and the Last Dragon. It's only Pixar movies they're doing with this. So these are three major summer releases that Disney is playing around with. They moved a couple of other things around, like The King's Man moved all the way to the end of the year again. I don't, I don't know if that movie even exists at this point. <laughs> I saw a poster oh for gosh. that in the theaters the other day, and I was like, That was oh, yeah? in our box office draft almost a year ago. <sighs> yeah. Good lord. Womp womp. We only got one trailer for that, right? <laughs> I One or two. I, I mean, again, if you go by my theory, which is that if you move it, you have more faith in it in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, making money. It's I guess it's a good sign. Um, yeah, you hope. But let's let's talk about the big three here. Black Widow, Cruella, and Luca. Jake, what are your initial reactions, I guess, just in general to these changes? Does it make you less excited to see Black Widow? Probably not at this point, right? No, that's one. There are some movies that I you know, will go to the theaters for, even if they're available to me at home. And Black Widow is one of them. That is going to be a theater experience for me. Cruella, maybe not. Cruella, maybe I won't see in theaters. Maybe I'll wait for that one. Um, but my thing with Luca is, if, you, if you're if you worried that it's not, like if I'm a Disney executive and I think it's not good enough to be the 15, or no, $30, right? Yeah. I'm worried that it's not good enough for the $30. Why not, like, why does it have to be like all or nothing? Why not make it a $9.99? I don't like it's, it's a good like freeze yep. like free seems a little un, un like I mean I'm all for free content but that seems unnecessary for a brand new movie and I was I was saying this about UFC cards recently there's some UFC events that are totally free and then there are some cards where like you know if there's a title fight on the line they're going to make you pay for it but there was one back in February where the only good fight of the five that you have to pay for was the last one so I'm like why make it 70 why not make it 30 like, why does it have to be all or nothing? I feel like this is the same here. If you're Doesn't worried it feel that like basic basic economics, right? Like, yeah, like if you're worried people won't pay cheaper. the thirty, you're just gonna give it to for free anyway. Why not find a middle ground? I don't know. If you're gonna put it on Disney Plus for free, and Nate, I'll let you jump in in a second because I, once I get started, I'm gonna keep going. Yeah, he's got stuff on his yeah, chest. Yeah, yeah, he's fidgeting. <laughs> if you're gonna put it on Disney Plus for free you're really that cheap that you can't pay for the distribution and give people the theater option. Like why take the theater option away? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing that definitely is annoying me the most. Um, Cause I'm hoping that I'll be able to comfortably go in theaters come the summertime again on the regular without uh, like COVID fears and all that. Like I'll, I'll gladly wear a mask for as long as you say I have to. Yeah. But just give me the option. If we're, we're getting to the point where hopefully everyone's vaccinated by end of April slash May. Right. So, yeah, the, the theater option is really weird to me. I don't get that at all. Um, I'd almost try to give Disney the benefit of the doubt here and say that there's a weird deal going on with Pixar that they want to release those for free. Like, the big narrative that we got out of Soul is that they wanted as many people to see Soul as possible before the Oscars. Obviously, that isn't a factor for Luca. Yeah, that was when cases were spiking, too, if we're going to get into the COVID logistics of it. And yeah, back we, in winter. There, very, very interesting story that came out, I believe, of The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, they talked to some of the animators at Pixar, and they say there's this, this sense of discouragement right now throughout the studio. Like, okay, we spent years of our lives on this. For some people, it's a passion project. Like, this isn't Pete Doctor's soul, where Pete Doctor is the head of Pixar, and you know, he's not just getting his start. This is from a first-time feature director, I'm pretty sure. And his work, and it's a very personal life story to him, and his work and all the work of those animators, it's not even to get the big screen treatment. They made the movie for the freaking big screen. Like, yeah, 
just nuts to me. It sounds like Disney trying to self-mutilate the Pixar brand, like maybe intentionally, maybe unintentionally. But like if you just look at the data and you see that they are offering the $30 deal for all of their Disney animated movies and for the Marvel movies and I'm sure for any future Disney live action remakes and they're not doing that for Pixar, like why Why Pixar? Why are they the ones that have been singled out here? Well, to be clear, it's not like the animators are losing money by them not charging $30 for this movie, right? They're all paid already. No, it's I'm just not, the release. No, no, no. It's, yeah, it's, a okay. morale, it's a morale issue. It's not an economics issue in that specific part of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it sucks. Yeah. It re- it's, it's a sucky situation that doesn't have to exist at all. Very bumming. Like, you know, I, obviously money is important, but it's not everything. You know, you want, like, not that you're not saying this name, but it's great that they're getting paid, but they want their work to be looked at and appreciated. That's why most people are in this mm-hmm. industry to create, you know, the creativity aspect and to be appreciated and stuff like that. Hmm. And I get that for the, the theater argument. I'd be very annoyed if I couldn't see my feature-length movie that I worked on and animated on the big screen. Um, I guess the $30 difference doesn't matter to me because as a consumer, I'll gladly watch your movie for the subscription I'm paying for without the extra surcharge because at the end of the day, that is just an extra thing that Disney's doing for almost like fear of missing out bit where they want you to pay extra on top of what you're already giving them monthly. Yeah. Right, and that's what the, the Disney executives would come back at you with that. They would be like, okay, we're putting it here for free. It will get it more exposure. And that, I mean, it could be true. I don't have the numbers right in front of me for how Raya has performed in its $30 pay as opposed to Soul, which, of course, had the bump of coming out literally on Christmas Day when nobody could go mm-hmm. anywhere. But it just it sets a weird precedent to me. It becomes a story in itself that we have to watch inside of the House of Mouse. You know what I mean? If I'm Pixar, are we, am I just going along with this? Is Pete Doctor complicit with this decision? Or is this being made way out of his range? And will there be a break between Pixar and Disney? That's way down the line. That's very speculatory. But Yeah, very. <laughs> we could be reading way too much into this just all based on the Hollywood Reporter notes, you know? I mean, but that's what we do, <laughs> you know? Yes. It, oh, that's the fun part, Drew. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. Yeah, Let's right. go all in. <laughs> it just, it's, it sounds like, you know, oh, we want people to pay for Raya and Black Widow, but Luca, like, it almost sounded, sounds like Disney's like, you know what? This one just doesn't seem as good. It's not getting the hype. We're not going to make people pay for it. Like, it could feel a little personal toward the the animators and the that director, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of the Black Widow part of this, it's kind of what we've been saying for a while now. Like, this seemed inevitable, especially when we had the options coming from HBO Max and, you know what I mean? Like, if it felt like we were getting towards this point where Disney would at least experiment with the streaming for something so big like this. I'm going to continue with the party line that I think you should be trying to support these movies in theaters. I, I've kind of given up at this point. If you don't feel comfortable, then don't go, whatever. I mean, Disney's going to make its money no matter what. Like... They're getting enough buzz from the Marvel streaming shows that they're finding ways to probably recoup the, any cost that they might lose from Black Widow. So yeah, I, I'm I'm much less, you know. Oh, these studios are making movies. Go see them, and more. I don't ever want movie theaters to go out of business. So please support them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, at the end of the day, we're just barely four months into what's going to be an experimental year. So yes, there's no new normal here yet. We still got eight months to go before the industry really settles in. But it is very weird to watch. Yes. 
One of those experiments that we've talked a lot about is the HBO Max and Warner Brothers same day and date theater experiment. Uh, one of the biggest movies in that pantheon that they're going to be offering this year has debuted its first trailer, a red band trailer, for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. You gotta be kidding me. You're gonna risk the entire mission for a mental defective dressed as a court jester. It's coming from a guy that wears a toilet seat on his head. We don't leave one of our own behind. Hopefully Harley's still alive. I'm so sorry. Harley Quinn. We're all gonna die. I hope so. You know the deal. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. This is suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. The Suicide Squad, like I said, written and directed by James Gunn. It is due in theaters and on HBO Max on August 6th. We're talking about kind of a redo of a topic like we were talking about earlier. Um, (laughs) It keeps certain elements from David Ayer's 2016 Suicide Squad, which was dog crap, to to put it nicely. (laughs) (laughs) We were were so excited for that movie, and it was such a bummer how bad it was. Like maybe maybe the biggest it might might have been like a top three or four biggest letdown in my life, just like such a cool concept. entire life, <laughs> right? But like but, only a handful of movies have ever used Bohemian Rhapsody in their trailer. Yeah, and that one just shamed me to no end. You know, it's ironic because it feels like that they were trying to kind of copy the Guardians of the Galaxy style that James Gunn cultivated in the first two movies, and now he comes aboard to make his own version of the Suicide Squad, which will be unadulterated rated R. Um, this is a very electric trailer. Margot Robbie, Joel Kinnaman, Viola Davis, and Jai Courtney, I believe are the only connecting pieces from David Ayer's movie. Margot Robbie's back as Harley Quinn. Jai Courtney's back as Captain Boomerang. Joel Kinnaman is Rick Flagg. Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. Uh, the movie adds a lot of people. Idris Elba, John Cena, Peter Capaldi, Pete Davidson, Nathan Fillion, Taika Waititi, Michael Rooker, Sean Gunn, Alice Braga, and Sylvester Stallone as the voice of King Shark, um, who, for me, stole the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good stuff to say about this trailer for me. Nate, what did you think? Trailer only gives us so much. This is very much a, uh, what's the word, like an emotional trailer just to get you feeling the vibe of the movie and get, does not give you much in anything in terms of story beats. So plot-wise, who the hell knows what's going to happen? But it looks fun. It is very Guardians of the Galaxy X. It's very James Gunn-esque. They're throwing his name on all the branding, so he's clearly becoming more of a name in the superhero world here, even though he's switching sides, quote-unquote, to DC over here for a minute. Yeah, briefly. (laughs) Um, They have a huge cast for this, but I don't know if it counts as spoilery, but there's just no chance that Pete Davidson and Nathan Fillion last long in this movie, right? They show up for, like, two shots and then they're just gone like 20 bucks says that they're gonna die in the first 20 minutes <laughs> i'd say the same thing about jai courtney too <laughs> to be honest <laughs> if we're talking oh, about returning so? characters have a short life what he has like two shots in the trailer yeah but again that's that's us reading into what is essentially a vibes yeah. trailer like you said but yeah i would i wouldn't disagree with that assessment especially mm-hmm. since it it's literally called the suicide squad <laughs> yeah and Ugh, the weasel character looks so off. <laughs> I don't <sighs> like how he looks at all. Um, I think that might be the point, but it's still just like somebody went to a Halloween store, just grabbed the weirdest mask they could, and 
CGI'd it on this guy's head. <laughs> it looks bizarre. By the way, his name is literally Weasel, so you can just say Weasel. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Nate, Nate didn't want to insult him, but... <laughs> mm. uh, well, anyway, I'm, I'm very excited for John Cena. He looks like a lot of fun. Polka Dot Man's going to be ridiculous. This is the second time the characters appeared since the Lego Batman movie, so the memes <laughs> are really coming alive in the last decade here. <laughs> I really hope Condiment King makes an appearance. That would be cool. <laughs> I'd be into that. Uh, note on John Cena's character, Peacemaker, who he... They describe as a douchey Captain America. Basically, there's a toilet bowl on his head. Uh, he's getting a spinoff <laughs> series that will premiere early next year. So, Jesus, already? Yeah. Uh, what if people don't like him? <laughs> I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised. But, Jake, what do you think? Uh, I th- Same thing. I think the trailer looks fun. Like Nate said, there's no hint at really what the plot's going to be. Um, but that being said, Suicide Squad was such a mess and not really all that fun that I hope they just they can clear that up you know James Gunn is clearly talented he got two really good Guardians of the Galaxy movies under his belt and he clearly thrives well with wacky and unusual concepts which this certainly fits the bill so yeah basically did on Nate and I hope it's I hope it's good I'm, I don't often root against the movies and I'm not going to root against James Gunn so yeah I hope it's good and these if Marvel's not going to scrutinize him for switching sides then cool hopefully we get an actually good DC movie well, they fired him, so they have no right. Yeah, I think he has every right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they brought him back afterward, right? Right, but he told them, yeah. I have to finish this first, which is good. Yeah. I'm glad he held on to this because I think he is a very good voice. for the, He's an obvious choice to make this kind of movie. Um, yeah. But he's a good choice. You know what I mean? You, you, can't, you can't knock the decision to put him in charge of this. And it yeah, looks like course. it very much looks like his baby. You know what I mean? I have a quick premise in front of me uh, because you guys are right. It doesn't give you a lot of hint, but it sounds like they're going to be going to a South American island to destroy this Nazi era prison where experiments were conducted and such. And I think you can get that vibe from the uh, giant Patrick starfish at the end of the trailer, which. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. Heck is that? (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people freaking out about that. I think his name is Starro in the comics, and he is pretty much. That's an actual thing. Yeah. And he's pretty much exactly what you expect. Yeah. He's the first villain to face the original Justice League of America. So they, they started off with a bang. Wait, wait, wait. I just, I just had a moment. Like, doesn't Starro appear in, like, the robot chicken spoofs? Like, that's an actual superhero character? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure this was kind of oh the God. kind of thing that, like, they never thought they were going to actually. Yep. Starro appears into the animated special Robot Chicken DC Comics Special 2, Villains in Paradise. Oh, good lord. <laughs> ridiculous. Good for the vibe. Well, again, this this is going to be a meme ass movie. Does Starro yeah. have a voice? Like, is he, is it like a something that speaks? and Or is it just this giant monster walking around and destroying things? Oh, you're getting out of my expertise here. Okay. I, I, was, no I, I hope they cast somebody brilliant to voice Starro because that would just be the icing mm-hmm. on the cake here. Well, well, here's my theory about that. Now that you just said it, I just put it together. We have no idea who Tyke is playing. Like, come on. There it is. There it is, right? It's got that's got to be it. I, <laughs> you I heard it Taika, here first, folks. We knew Taika and Stallone were in the movie. We didn't know who they were playing. It is very clear, very a hundred and ten percent obvious that it's Stallone as the shark, which yeah, feels like that a would be great Vin Diesel thing. But yeah, I mean that makes <laughs> sense. We're kind of just kind of speculating at this point. Not a lot of plot details here. We're having fun with it. More fun than the first movie mm-hmm. did. Looks fun. Speaking of. <laughs> What will be a fun well, discussion, but there it is. <laughs> fun is not the vibe of Zack Snyder's Justice League. 
as not we head anywhere. into our review now. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even hold it while I'm trying to do the toss. <laughs> <laughs> a dream I think there's an attack coming this world will fall I'm building an alliance to defend ourselves if you can't bring down the charging bull then don't wave the red cape at it they said the age of heroes will never come again it will it has to we live in a society. Isn't that right? Batman. All right, I'm not doing the whole history of Zack Snyder's Justice League. You've listened to the podcast before, probably. Just go on Wikipedia if you're really uh, interested in the in-the-weeds version of this. Let me just do the brief version. Justice League, directed by Snyder partially when he left Joss Whedon took over and basically changed the movie came out in 2017 Snyder started working on the new version last year the pandemic hit which I think probably may have even accelerated the timetable a little bit millions in reshoots added a few scenes it feels like a completely different movie but with the same cast uh same in structure for the most part the Justice League they have to fight an intergalactic threat that's sent around these mother boxes it's, it's, I don't really know how to approach this because I don't want to just recap what we did a few years ago. But there is enough here that it feels palpably different in ways that could be good or bad. I think we all thought this was going to be hot ass. Yeah, well, <laughs> when your starting point is low, the floor is just as low. <laughs> yeah. You guys were at least positive. Like middle of the road. I, I, middle I of the road. I wouldn't go as far as road. say positive. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would say we gave it. Jake and I both gave it wooden seats back in the day. And if I had a chance, a do over, I would. I would drop that down to damp lawn chair. Mm-hmm. It just. It was the visceral thrill of seeing it on the screen that I had. I got wrapped up in a little bit, and I've watched it a couple times since. And it, it's not worth. It's not worth. It's not yeah. worth the extra rating point for that. I've been true to my morals and <laughs> total damp lawn chair. Um, but what about this version, Nate? And what about this version indeed? Um, if I if I had to go numerically here, this turned like a, a 2.1 movie into a 2.6 movie. You know? <laughs> it's uh it's it's slightly better, but at the end of the day, <laughs> it's funny that we call it a very different movie, and for a lot of parts it is a different movie, but the beats are the same. It yeah. at its core is still a superhero team up involving these broody characters get in together reviving superman he does all the work and we all go happy hunky dory and that's the movie again you stole the opening of my notes you bastard that's literally what i was going to start with <laughs> <laughs> well and that's that's my opinion on it like i'm glad i'm glad it's not bad and i'm glad it's more to Snyder's vision because I do think with the tone of the characters we've been introduced to in the DCEU, it fits a little better. I still don't really like them, but at <laughs> yeah, least it was a basis you didn't like at first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least it was a more coherent movie. The first movie was not coherent and it was hard to care about anything. 
I care slightly more now, and that's my opinion of this movie. I'm glad it happened. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like these movies in terms of their focuses in terms of structure are so on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like Joss Whedon's Justice League is it is startlingly short for a team up movie. It's two. It's, yeah. It's two hours with credits, so it's like one fifty two, and it is incre- It feels incredibly rushed. It's also incredibly simple. Which, in its way, it has its own charms in, in that specific aspect. Something I should have said off the top is that this movie is four hours long. It was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Is it? Is it now? Four hours? I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. He said sarcastically. <laughs> they toyed with making it a miniseries, um, which people are kind of consuming it like a miniseries. Anyway, it's divided into six chapters, I believe. Six chapters in an epilogue, which will kind of go chapter by chapter when we get into spoilers. Not in an intense detail. But that's the big difference, and you know it, it allows for more development. But Jake, is is that worth where we where we had to sit through this and kind of no? Yeah, there you go. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> no, for for me, when you guys say it's it's a it's a different movie, I only sort of agree. The plot is almost exactly the same. You get a little bit more backstory. You get a. F- more slow-mo and it's just four hours long it's not it's different but it's not that different it's like nate said it's a it's a boring version of batman recruiting some some hesitant loners with special abilities when this cgi gray monster comes to earth looking for magical boxes and then they're like "Uh uh-oh we can't really do this on our own let's find superman and then roll roll credits you get a little bit more for flash you get a little bit more from cyborg and then you get like 50% 50% more slow-mo and then it's four hours long and I'm I just it's not it's not that different <laughs> I think we made the same joke in our 300 freeze frame way back when but I think if you made all the slow-mo scenes normal speed this movie is only two and a half hours <laughs> like the beginning is like 15 minutes of slow-mo Superman screams yeah, the, like okay scenes from the end of Batman v Superman too yeah like things, move on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, I no, immediately, immediately from the opening credits, I was like, oh, this is this is going to be rough, isn't it? I'm going to hate this. And actually, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate the movie. But from the opening credits, I was like, are you kidding me? This is what happens when Snyder gets total control. We get 15 minutes of slow-mo Superman screams. I can't take it. <laughs> it feels like Snyder, this was his last hurrah. Like, his, this was his Queen Latifah last holiday moment. I think that's what they're hinting moment. at. Well, he, he already said he's not coming back. It feels like he tried to take the original movie, because I don't think... The way this movie turned out is exactly how the theatrical cut would have went. No. There are a lot of things that are true but also true about this movie that I've seen. Everything Jake just said is absolutely true. Everything Nate said is absolutely true. It is also probably true that this is a better movie. It it is also true that what better means is relative because it is still working off that basis that we have issues with. And which is Batman v Superman, Man of Steel fundamental misunderstandings of the characters it's just more interesting and feels it feels like a bigger swing and it feels like instead of a home run it's like a single to left you know what i mean like it it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't hit where it needs to hit it it -hmm. does elongate the stories of certain characters it really rescues the cyborg character was the big i was gonna say that next yeah like jake you said that flash gets a little bit more and cyborg gets a little bit more yeah this is essentially Cyborg's origin story, and I actually thought it was a pretty decent one at the character, because I didn't care in the original Justice League. And we actually got something here. His powers make sense. His broodiness makes sense. And he's an actual, like, 
person that you can relate to and feel things for. Um, and it's really a shame that it took three years to get to this point. Um, I heard that there were lots of issues with the actor who played Cyborg and Josh Whedon yeah. when the movie came out because so much of his material got cut. Yeah. So it's cool to see him get a little bit of comeuppance here because it works. It, it's a nice origin story for him. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's his origin story, but the way things went at Warner Brothers, I wouldn't be surprised if he never plays Cyborg again. So it's kind of one oh, of those yeah. like, <laughs> and and even then, like, so my my friend uh, Justin liked it. So we we've been having a little bit back and uh, back and forth. He liked it certainly more than I did. In my opinion, I was saying, in general general sense, unless your character is complete trash, is it better to flesh out a character or not to flesh out? It's better to flesh out almost every single time. So by definition, I guess this movie's an improvement because we get more time with characters. But I don't even know that these are like better scenes. They're just more scenes. Like mm-hmm. that is a really good line. I, I guess I care about Cyborg a little bit, but none of those scenes were compelling. None of these scenes made me go like, oh wow. Like his broodiness makes sense, but Aquaman's also broody. Batman's also broody. Wonder Woman isn't exactly all that interesting except for the one time where she's like, yes, you can be me when you get older to the, the little girl mm-hmm. in the beginning. Superman still doesn't smile. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm like, it makes sense, but it's still all the same. Yeah. The couple of little things that perked me up that we'll talk about in spoilers, but generally this, this was four hours of me going, all right, and? Like, okay, and, and what? I can literally see you <laughs> doing that in front of the TV. Yeah, four <laughs> hours. I was like, arms all right. up. So move on. <laughs> I'm going to propose something to both of you because I think Jake, that's a really good point. There are more scenes. It's not, they're not necessarily great scenes. Like, yes, I, I agree that cyborg's character was deepened, but like nobody else really has an arc. It feels like, like Batman, wonder woman, Aquaman, they don't even really bother to do anything with their characters per se. Cause there's just so much plot to get through cyborg and flash mm-hmm. fair a bit better but like what is what is flash's arc yeah he's still a guy with daddy issues mm-hmm. we just get a little bit more scene showing us that like so so my yeah. here's my question this is four hours there is no way in hell this would this version would have made it to no. theaters is there a version because i i can see where this is going and none of us are giving this movie a plush recliner i, no. I, I where we go <laughs> where we go from there where we go from there is to be discussed in a moment but is there a version of this movie that is three hours that's a plush recliner? I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I Not even three. I think this, you could find a suitable movie that's like, Avengers Infinity Wars is two and a half hours, but we don't need as many to, as much with the characters because almost all of them have gotten a movie before that. Say there's a version of this movie that fairly enough gets 240, right? Two hours is too short. Four hours is ridiculous. There's a 240 version of this movie that could hit theaters that I think is all right. But that's about as far as I get. It's like the problem was not really Whedon. I don't even know that the problem Snyder. The problem is just there's a big problem. It's the Justice League's not that good. <laughs> you, you, can, you can remake this movie as many times as you want. It is still third in this universe that has had one solo origin movie and then a team-up movie immediately after with Batman v Superman. And then you get, I mean, you had Wonder Woman ahead of time. So, okay, it's fourth. It was fourth in the line. Mm-hmm. So the way that this is structured, if this had come out in 2017, we still are not getting enough with Aquaman. We're still not getting enough with oh Flash. Oh my god, I forgot that Aquaman was introduced in this movie. 
That's insane. And this just goes back to the fundamental mishandling of the DCEU in them trying to rush what it took Marvel years to do. They kind of dug themselves a hole, so it didn't really matter what Justice League movie you get. You have an underdeveloped Aquaman because this is the first time we would have been meeting him four films into the DCEU. You have Batman, who's only really been in Batman v Superman, and there wasn't really... They had to course correct his character because he was like a sociopathic killer in Batman v Superman. (laughs) You got a little bit with Wonder Woman. You don't have to do really much with her. But Flash and Cyborg is the first time we see them. And then Superman... He is, he is night and day from the Whedon version to this one. Like, he is back to the self-serious, mm-hmm. really intense, brooding character that Batman is supposed to be, as opposed to they kind of lightened him up and made him more Christopher Reeves in the Joss Whedon version. And I missed that a little bit, although what they did with him here was cool. There was no version of this movie that would, would work because what came before it didn't work. It's just a matter of, like, would it have been passable? And I think this would have at least been more acceptable than what we got. Woohoo. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, so I, so I got to tell you guys, and I won't even call it Whedon's version because I'm sure if he had a chance to do Justice League on his own, it would look different. I will say just the 2017 version. The 2017 version's best scene was cut from the from Snyder's version where Flash is like, hey, man, I know I joined the team, but I don't think this is for me. Those are demons and this is freaking me out. And Batman's like, all right, you don't got to fight him. Just save the hostages, save one. And if you can do that, See how you feel. You know, that's that is in a legitimately good scene. That is good team bonding and like an actual standout scene for me in a in a very mediocre movie. Why cut that? Where I like I miss things like that from this movie. And then minor spoiler, if you will, but we have Wonder Woman saving some hostages at the beginning of this version, and she causes a catastrophic amount of damage and yeah. death. Yeah, she <laughs> yeah. way more way more damage than they would have caused with that bomb. At least the people survive. <laughs> <but> like... <laughs> so yeah, we're we're right back there, and <laughs> yeah, human lives don't matter again. Whatever. Although at least yeah. they, they at least they still had the final fight at a nuclear weight. We're we're teetering towards spoilers here, so I think we should move into our ratings. Yeah, might as Let's well just get there. This is a really weird movie to talk about, like really yeah. strange because we're talking about two movies at once, and. We're talking about a lot of extracurricular activity that went into making this. Like, we haven't even gotten into how there's already a push to restore the Snyderverse, even though he says he's done. Like, well, the producer said he finished his trilogy and we're going to go elsewhere now, right? Yes. So, but fans don't like hearing that and they saw what it worked last time. So, yeah, great. <laughs> Jake, Jake, you're saying that, that part about the flash scene. If we're to believe Snyder, he's never seen that scene before in his life because he hasn't watched the Whedon version. I think According he should to him. now. I mean, I, I, what's the harm of watching it now? I get if you didn't... I guess I could almost rationale, like, I don't want anything from his thing, from his vision in my mind. I just want my mind and my vision. Zack Snyder went through an unspeakable tragedy Absolutely. with the passing of his, of mm-hmm. his daughter. I'm sure there was something therapeutic about this for him. Like, I'm glad he got to make the movie he wanted to make. I'm more concerned about how the fans react to it and what kind of precedent this sets for asking for things and demanding things and like david ayer was trying to already demand for his suicide squad cut and they were like nope <laughs> no no <laughs> no yeah oh, he got caught in 4k saying that the theatrical cut was his cut like in july of 2016 like <laughs> three weeks before it came out but, <laughs> well, whoops this movie's in a four three aspect ratio uh because it would have looked better in imax that way it just looks like a box on your screen which 
you know, whatever. Again, he wanted to make the movie he wanted to make. He replaced Danny Elfman's score with Junkie XL's score, which I did think was actually pretty cool for most of it. But aside from the operatically strange Wonder Woman theme, I, I was not into that. It was weird. too much. Yeah, way too much. Like like self-parody, self-serious. All right, let's get into our ratings here. If you're just joining the middle seats for the first time, we rate films on the seat scale. If a movie is a masterpiece, um, like some of you probably think that the Snyder Cut is, we give it a royal throne. If a movie is great and has minor flaws, we get a plush recliner. If we think a movie is solid to passable, but has some major glaring weaknesses, wooden seat. Inverse of that, bad movie, decent things in it, damp lawn chair, and a horrible movie, sleazy outhouse. Bag of popcorn moniker doesn't really apply here. No. It, it, you don't have the option. <laughs> you don't have unless the option. Unless it's the black and white version. That sounds riveting. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. <laughs> Jake, give your rating. Uh, so here, here's my thing, right? I'm I'm going to be the loudest on this movie, but it's more I more hate everything around this movie than I actually do this movie. I don't hate 2017's or Snyder's. I don't hate either one of them. I don't like either one of them either. But I think both movies in in different ways, like, yes, Snyder has a more clear-cut vision, I guess, just because there's not two minds, there's just one. But I don't think either one of them are good or bad. So I would give both of them, including Snyder's cut, a, a wooden seat. I think it's just fine. As a movie, it's just fine. My loudness and my frustration is everything around it. All the people who are preaching and screaming and wailing to get this movie and forcing their their greater-than-opinions down your throats. Shut up! This movie's not that good. And if you think so, great, I'm happy for you. I'm, gra- I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad that Snyder got a redemption because, you know, he had some terrible tragedy going on. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy people like this. But just <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Stop shoving this down everybody's throats like it's a godsend. The movie's just okay. It's really nothing special. But so that's how I feel about it. If I'm, if I'm taking my bias out of it, the movie is just fine. It's just all right. So it gets the wooden seat. And then if I never see this movie again, I will not be angry. Yeah. Nate, I'll go next because I basically co-sign everything he said. Generally less therapeutic than that. But (laughs) (laughs) I I generally agree with everything he just said. If I gave the Whedon one uh, a wooden seat, uh, let this be my formal apology. But I can't not (laughs) give this version a wooden seat because I'm saying it's inherently better. Listen – the line I heard about this one is that it is Zack Snyder's version of Justice League with a very much a Lord of the Rings-esque, like, epicness to it. I think that's a little generous. Yeah, uh, but, not even. But, very. I, but like, I, can, I feel the operatic. He, he's making – he's not making a superhero movie. He's making a movie about titans of mythology or whatever. That's what he would tell you if you if you were talking to him at a, at a brunch or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It, it has some really epic moments of action. The people that asked for it are really going to like it. He he made this very specifically for the release the Snyder Cut hashtag Twitter bots with no profile photo. And you know what I mean? He made this for that people, for those people. And they're going to eat it up. And they have been eating it up to the point where there is some excess at the very tail end of this movie that we'll get into in spoilers. That it feels like he's taking a bow and doing a lap like at the end of Return of the King for something mm-hmm. that he has not earned whatsoever. No. Uh, but whatever. Wooden seat. Um, I'll have more to say in spoilers. Nate, should I uh should I moisten up the chair now? 
Way to spoil and alert my own rating here, Trip. Yeah, the 2017 version was a damp lawn chair, deservedly so. This is the exact same toy set, just configured in a slightly different way. It's still a damp lawn chair. That's it. Thank you, Nate. I'm not angry about it the way that Jake is. Yeah, I'm mad. I'm just, I'm just over it. <laughs> like, I, I don't <laughs> care for anything here. There are some cool moments that you'll get out of this version that you won't get out of the 2017 one. Um, you'll have an actual character in Cyborg. Those are some positives to take away from this. And the people that appreciate this movie, okay, great. Here's your bit and enjoy your fun. I didn't have any with this. And I'm probably not going to have any more fun with the DCU if they continue on this train. This feels like this feels like Jake's origin story for his uh, <laughs> villain backstory. Like uh, just the progression <laughs> of us talking about this movie from I don't know whenever it was first floated in 2019 to now. I, I scoffed at it when it first came about. I was like, <laughs> "Shut you, up, internet!" You've progressively gotten madder and madder. <laughs> yeah, until I'm I'm hoping. Listen, winter's over, seasonal depression ends. Zack Snyder's grim four-hour-long superhero movie is officially out, and we can we've talked about it. Now we can stop talking about it once we finish spoilers. The the days are getting longer with the sun. Like it's all good ahead of here. I'm not gonna be the villain after this. I just gotta yeah. get this off my chest and we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. I, I was gonna say you gotta afford me ten to fifteen more minutes on Zack Snyder's Justice League. If you have not seen it yet, it is available on HBO Max now. If you have seen it, which I think a lot of you have if you clicked on this, jump into spoilers. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert. So I alluded at the beginning of the review that this is a six-parter with an epilogue. I took notes of what was in each part. I don't think that's worth anyone's time. But I am going to give some markers of when things happen. So there's part one that has the Wonder Woman fight and the Steppenwolf versus the Amazonians. Part two is all backstory. Part three, just over an hour in, we finally meet Flash. That's with the Flash and Cyborg backstory stuff. An hour and 52, we have our first team in, team up in part four. Part five is about two and a half in, and this is all the Superman stuff. Then we get to part six. We're at 2.50, and we're finally getting to the final action scene. And then the epilogue is, I would say, about 25 to 30 minutes on its own. And that's with wrap-ups for each character, that Lex Deathstroke scene that was at the post-credits. And then the big one, the new thing that they shot, adding Jared Leto to the mix and what appears to have been a dream tease for a second Justice League movie that will never be made, probably. <laughs> and then just randomly, Martian Manhunter is here, too. Why not? His appearance is so weird because Nate and I were like, does this imply he just sat this whole thing out? And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He, he basically talks to Bruce at the end, like, it's good to see there are people that are here willing to defend Earth. And it's like, where, where were you? <laughs> what about, uh, yeah, n not including you, buddy. <laughs> we we could have really used you, man. Oh, my God. And the way he even says, my name is the Martian Manhunter, <laughs> as he's already started to fly off, is the most tacked on bit I've ever seen to an already tacked on scene. <laughs> in, ca in case we weren't sure. <laughs> Taxception. <laughs> like, well he, well, he goes like, "We, I've been called by a lot of names, but the one I prefer is the Martian Manhunter. Like, that, that's the best one. So, somebody's got to, somebody's got to meme this, right? Somebody's got to, right? There's got to be some good comedy gold. There. If you really break it down, Martian Manhunter is like a slur, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I don't know enough either, but yeah, it just sounds stupid. <laughs> 
So I, I just wanted to kind of break down what happened vaguely in each part, and then we can go from here. I mean, the big things that are different, the inclusion of Darkseid. We, we do get more motivation for Steppenwolf, with a, which I did appreciate, even though he's still, I, he's still kind of a bitch. Like, I don't care. Yeah! He's a little better. Yes, we get more scenes, but they're not necessarily better. So sure, we understand him better. But the understanding comes from him just bitching to his boss. Like, all right, great. <laughs> He's literally on Zoom. <laughs> He's on, like, rock Zoom. He Skypes with Darkseid's secretary three times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, tell, and he's told he's not a good job, and then he gets all another broody character. Like, brilliant. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Riveting. Well, why, don't you, why don't you make your Darkseid point, Nate? Because I think yeah, I, I thought it was okay, funny. Yeah. This is, this is the one thing that just makes no sense to me. And we Steppenwolf, like finds out that the anti-life equation is just sitting there on Earth. And he has to go back and report to Darkseid's secretary and be like, yo, guys, you'll never believe this, but I found the anti-life equation here on Earth and there's nobody to defend it. It's ours for the taking. And we saw the prologue where Darkseid got his ass handed to him by Zeus and the Amazonians at the time. Does Darkseid just forget that he already tried to conquer this planet? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, the implication is that, like, in, in conquering planets throughout his entire time doing it, he's like, his record is three million and one. And the one is Earth. And he just forgot which one it was. <laughs> he's like, hey, you know, it's a pretty good what? record. I guess I'll retire now. He's like, like I blocked it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, he's got PTSD was, over it. That was the dumbest. The I didn't even think about that, new include to this movie. It was just like. Why? Um, like, Darkseid as a character, he's essentially DC's Thanos. He's hypothetically a really cool, imposing character, if you do him right. I don't know if we get enough here to justify that. No. I, he he kind of just gets his neck chopped and that's it. <laughs> I did think it was kind of badass when they cut off Steppenwolf's head, which, would I, I mean, this movie, we didn't even mention this movie's rated R as opposed to the PG-13. It, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. It, it's um, a little bit more blood. Yeah, Batman, and Batman says, gets... Yeah. And a, Wonder Woman totally splatters some guy's skull on the side of a wall. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. There's not enough F-words for the rated R. Like, I was like, all right, at least make use of it. Make it cool. Like, it's like a hard PG-13. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, it's... I would I would say that like Dark the Dark Knight is a more intense movie, but I did think yeah. it was kind of badass when they decapitate Steppenwolf and Darkseid is just staring at them through the portal, and then they close it and he's like, "We'll do it the old-fashioned way." That got me amped for a movie that will never come out. <laughs> like, that was mildly cool, and I will say the first time I perked up, like Andrew's, like an hour in, is that prologue with Darkseid where he's literally fighting Amazonians and Zeus and like all these other like badass uh, warriors like Atlanteans. I'm like, that was actually a cool battle scene. I'm glad I saw that. Well, I cannot say that for most other scenes. If you're going to follow the Lord of the Rings template, that should have started the movie. You know? Yeah. Like, you, you start with Instead that. Instead, it was like an hour fellowship. in. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Wildly out of place in terms of pacing. Yeah, Flash's running back in time scene was cool. Yes. Um, because, like, in the comics, the Flash is not just another Quicksilver-esque speedster. Like, he is stupidly powerful to the point where he can rewrite reality just on a whim and totally screw up the DC universe. Um, so just seeing a little piece of that where like he reversed time enough for the mother box to hit at the right moment. And then the full on going backwards and running towards cyborg at the end um, in the big fight scene 
Those are two cool moments. Personally, aesthetically, I think there's way too much lightning in his shots where it's really hard to tell what's going on. I would prefer he did just the Quicksilver thing where I can see him doing the thing he's doing, but it works and it's stylistically different and unique. So I'll give it that much. Yeah. I I really liked when he is kind of breaking the time barrier and you kind of see Mm. the, you kind of see the, the ground materialize below him. I thought that was really dope. That was a really cool moment. I think both of my favorite action scenes in the movie are flash moments. Like when he, uh, when he saves Iris, who is his love interest in theory, if we ever get to see Kiersey Clemens play her uh, again with the slow-mo and the, Slow motion sesame seed. Yeah. Of a sesame seed. Yeah. yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> is this supposed to be a joke? Am I supposed to laugh at this? It is this like, like Snyder yeah. trying to be self aware? Because I'm just annoyed. Get that out of my face. That was a cool action moment, though, I would say. And then, of course, him running back in time, I thought was really cool, too. Those are probably my two favorite action moments of the film. Jake, anything specific you want to bring up? I'm just, I will never forgive DCEU for making Batman suck. Yeah. He's not he's not cool or fun or interesting basically at all. He yeah, he spends really... the entire movie trying to fix a twin jet. I'm not even yeah, I'm not even really sure. Cyborg what... just does it. He spends the movie doing that and then he spends another portion of the movie f- creating this like armband thing that will like deflect the shots from Steppenwolf's cronies and that like gets its own origin story and it's like oh my god, there there's 10 minutes right there. Like Right. <laughs> and don't forget Alfred teaching Wonder Woman how to make tea. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or <laughs> this that was... millennial old woman who doesn't know how to make tea, I guess. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> at least that was like at least that was like a human moment, you know? Like I, I mm-hmm. guess. But even then, I actually I remember thinking like, is this why it's four hours? So in, in 2017's, they, you know, after Superman is resurrected and, and Lois and him go back to his old house, cut to he's shirtless. Cut to he's in a flannel and they're talking. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> in in this movie. We see him getting the flannel and putting it on. How do you like that? Yeah. Who f- cares? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, the other one, when they go to the, the power plant the first time without Superman in 2017, they get there, cut to, all right, figure out how to save hostages. Here they get there. They're walking up the stairs and then they're figuring out the plan. How do you like that? Again, whatever. If it means it's four hours, cut it. It's not necessary. I don't need to see them walking upstairs or putting on a flannel. Like, whatever. There are also a lot. I mean, there's no... I don't know if there was a good way to do this, but there are a lot of scenes, and I love Amy Adams. Don't get me wrong. But there are a lot of scenes of her, like, in theory, grieving, but they're so repetitive, and you forget she's in the movie, and it's really there just to set up her own journey so that Batman doesn't have to just drive her to the scene when Superman starts going mm-hmm. off, she just happens to be at the memorial when things pop off, which is like, it's yeah. a narrative convenience. It gets the same point. Eh. Well, you know what? No, it doesn't because the whole point is that like Lois is supposed to be key to this. You know what I mean? And he's, it makes Batman oh look God, smart. I, I keep forgetting about that weird ass scene in Batman versus Superman. It just doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Some of the, so some of the new things uh, that we haven't talked about, the black Superman stuff looks dope as hell in my opinion. Every, all the Superman action looks really cool, but I mean, there's no purpose to the black suit. It's just kind of again, it's a fan servicey toy thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. which like same. Sure, it looks cool, but in a movie that's four hours filled with mediocrity. Mm-hmm. All right, great, I guess. It like, actually bothers me a little bit because it gives Superman a, more of an excuse not 
to smile, which means that Snyder didn't take any criticism from Man of Steel or Batman vs Superman, and he was just like, "I this is my broody Superman, goddamn it, nobody can tell me differently." <laughs> right. Well, the, the any kind of measurement of taking the good and bad and improving from upon it went away when this project was greenlit. Like whatever was his original vision, without any kind of adjustments, was what we're going to get. Yep. You feel that all over the place. The way this movie teases a sequel that's never going to happen, like when Flash is about to run and resurrect Superman and Cyborg just has that vision that shows him the dystopian future of a sequel that will never, again, never show up, that eventually carries Mm. over into the epilogue. So that's different. The the fight is at night now. Uh, No red in the sky, no foreign family, which I I was good with getting rid of them. Yeah, praise be. I think it just comes down to Leto, right? That's the only other big thing we have to talk about. Yeah, which... He got a second chance, and he somehow still f***ed up. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I won't take credit for this one. Um, I I think I read this on Reddit, but the comment went something like this. Like, why is the the camera just blurring in and out on, on Jared Leto while he's talking? And the response is... Because they know it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> They're just trying to make it more interesting. Um, I will also say, touching on Snyder's slow-mo thing one more time. I know that's his style, that's his shtick, whatever. But like in all in all seriousness, like in in certain action scenes, it works definitely. When you try to make everything epic, it takes away from the actual epic moments. Like we don't need to see the the poppy seed, the the Lois Lane putting down a coffee. In like, why is everything slow mo? Relax. Yeah. And like, it's cool for a time and place. Stop putting it everywhere just because you like it. You're like a kid, like a child. It's so hard to do this, but not to make it a Marvel DC thing. Marvel is exceptionally good at making the big moments stand out in their action scenes. Mm -hmm. Like just like there's a sense of escalation to those big, to the big revolving shot in the Avengers, to that one take in the Avengers when they're flying around and stuff like that, Uh to the big finishing move in Captain America Civil War at the end. You're, You're absolutely right, Jake. When... What's the Incredibles line? When everyone's super, no one is. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's kind of, yep. Insert right. slow-mo. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, they took those Leto photos with him as Jesus for no reason. Just to build they, hype. They yeah. did it just to make me mad, I'm convinced. <laughs> He's such a dork. <laughs> is he the worst person to ever win an Oscar? Probably not, but... <laughs> yeah, I think it all went to his head. Like, Yeah. I've liked some of his performances before, but <laughs> the more the more he gets involved with superhero stuff, the more insufferable he seems to become. <laughs> yeah. he, he did a different version of the Joker and tried to basically copy Ledger. But, like, th- then he talks about giving Batman a reach around and, like, Batman tells yeah. him he's going to kill him and it's like what is the productive part of teaming up with him that's a that's not batman (laughs) yeah yeah no it's not yeah and then b like we already talked about how martian manhunter seemed tacked on that was the tack on of all tack on scenes there like what was that like a good 10 15 minute scene of them just in the desert speaking very slowly and basically doing the injustice storyline where superman's evil i guess they don't really go anywhere with it because, spoiler alert, there was no big master plan. Never was. They just said, this sounds cool. <laughs> I, w- I would have loved to discuss with you guys in this theoretical world where this movie exists how they could have rationalized not just killing the Joker. Like, why Like why is he along on this journey? 
Like, what does he offer? And in a world where Batman is, we've seen him kill people. Batman's cool with killing people in this world, which, again, was a problem from 2016. He, he but... still has the guns on the front of the car. <laughs> yeah, he just, oh my God. I will never forget in Batman vs. Superman when he just mows people down with those bat turrets. And I was like, what? Yeah, Excuse they were. They were, yep. they were like, "Oh, he technically didn't kill anybody." But when he just like he takes the wheel of the car and <laughs> crushes the front. It's like, "Oh yeah, I'm sure he walked away with a flesh wound. That's fine." Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that guy's broken spine is is you know will be fixed. I'm sure he's fine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think we've exhausted this as much as we can. Anything else? Tell me about it. Yeah, Nate, you want to do final thoughts? Sure. Let me try to come up with an original thought that I haven't already said about this. You don't need to. We're covering something that wasn't original to begin with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's Fine. right. It's, it's kind of a get out of jail. This movie didn't need to happen. I'm happy that some people are enjoying this. I did not. This is the kind of thing that if you're at all at least interested or on the fence about watching this, I don't think there's many of you, but if there are, just go on YouTube in and just type in like, cool new scenes and enjoy those moments because that's literally all this is it's a director picking up the action figures playing with them in his own way that's different from the 2017 version and moving on and there isn't anything concrete that's going to matter long term about an extended universe here and there isn't going to be anything meaningful just as an art form and a movie form because this movie is still subpar not using its characters properly and not expanding its story in a fun way, at least for me. So do what you want with it. I'm happy to move on and forget about this whole fiasco until the next DC controversy. And I'll <laughs> be right here at this scene with you guys. Jake, get it out one more time and then leave it in the past. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just about ready. I don't know. I Again, I hate everything around this movie more than I actually hate this movie. It's really the fans. This is... They've officially become one of my absolute least favorite fan bases. Uh, I'm not going to start adding other ones. Not that anybody cares. It's not like you're going to find me and come back after me. But I am so over this fan base and their their Twitter and everything else on how ridiculous they are. They're just so annoying. The movie was fine. And if, if HBO was like, hey, you know what we're going to do now that we have some time with the pandemic hitting us? We're going to give Snyder, poor old guy who couldn't finish the movie, we're going to give him a second shot. I'd be like, all right, cool, whatever. But the fans around this are just so utterly obnoxious they're just unbearable and i'm it's really not it's really not that good i almost don't even think it's much of an improvement they're both like six out of tens i guess so generous i'm over it (laughs) i'm glad we got it out of our you know out of our system and off our chest six out of ten at best so yeah i don't know i'm i'm done with it and i'm ready to move on and talk about any other movies coming out (laughs) look i'm happy if you really really wanted that if this was your crusade I guess I'm happy for you. <laughs> like, I'm happy. I'm most happy for Snyder. Like, I, I don't have any ill will Honestly, towards yeah. him as a filmmaker. He's made a lot of movies that I do enjoy. Like, I, I think his Watchmen director's cut is one of the best director's mm-hmm. cuts ever made. It completely nails what the theatrical version I still really like. But the, that version yeah. of Watchmen is really strong and does a great job of adapting a novel that a lot of people, a graphic novel that a lot of people thought was, you know, impossible. I, right. I, I dig 300. I dig the vibes of Man of Steel. I actually like Guardians of Cahool, maybe his second most out of all his movies. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see that one. Uh, but th- this is an era that I'm ready for him to move on from, and I'm glad he had this final moment to kind of move on from it. It is the most excessive movie you may watch in the last 24 months, unless you rewatch Lord of the Rings movies. And 
there's, that's a good thing and a bad thing for some people. I think it's a mixed bag for all three of us, and uh, it's not worth it anymore. Let's talk about other things. <laughs> Let's move on here at the end yeah. of this uh, episode of the Middle Seats Podcast. Before we go, Nate Lungarini, where can they find us on the internet? Alrighty, here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like, comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. You can also listen to us on the go on all your podcast platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. For questions, comments, and updates on the show, keep it on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Middle Seats. And if you like what you hear and you want to see more content, let us know and spread the word. I don't like to lock things in too much in these end-of-episode teases, but it feels like a lock that the next thing we'll do is review Godzilla vs. Kong. So I'm going to throw that in there now. If you have not seen or listened to our other latest reviews, of course, we've got the Oscar contenders with Judas and the Black Messiah and Nomadland. There are discussions of other movies poked in there. I know I mentioned Promising Young Woman at one point in one of those episodes. I know Jake really watched it and really, really liked it recently. We've got our Oscars coverage there. We've also got reviews of Rye and the Last Dragon. There's a lot of stuff we've been doing since the year began. So check all of that out. That'll do it for us. For Nate Lungarini and Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew Ojay. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.